Hello, and welcome to episode 158 of the Live to Walk Again podcast. My name is Jeremy Dixon, your host as always, and with me today in studio, got Ricardo Benavides. Hey, Jeremy. How's it going, man? Welcome to the, welcome to the show, Ricardo. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me again. Um, you Thanks know, for writing me down here. It looks like somebody didn't get a, or didn't RSVP today. Uh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're missing, you know, we're missing Brandon. Um, you know, some of us are... are motivated to find a cure for paralysis we're we're uh you know we 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 put our heart and soul into this podcast and there's brandon yeah. um you he's, know. he's he's out doing some good somewhere no he yeah, is yeah he so. is he's providing for his family he's got he's got a re- he's got a real job i guess yeah. you're retired and i'm just unemployed you're just so. wheeling you're just wheeling day to day right <laughs> what are you gonna do man yeah. what are you gonna do uh anyway yeah th- thanks for coming down if uh if everybody could listen like rate review share this podcast we would appreciate it. we need some reviews on uh apple podcast specifically so if you're listening to this on apple podcast i guess spotify now you can leave reviews as well so if you, we need some ratings we need some reviews yeah that would be great that maybe, would be fantastic maybe something about ricardo would be fantastic something about brandon <laughs> and then actually you know since this is audio only uh, the beautiful Jeremy Dixon. Hey, so. man. I'm not going to uh, call you a liar, Ricardo. Um, <laughs> anyway. So, uh, yeah, man. Um, I I feel like we're getting some great, great guests on. I've gotten a lot of feedback over the last uh, of, of Sharon, Sharon and also um, Ashley was on a couple of weeks ago like got a lot of good feedback about her and i just think you know like things are this this podcast is going places man yeah, it's waking up just like the spring is yeah you know <laughs> finally yeah. finally the long the long uh the long cold winter is over in western washington which is uh, a beautiful thing yeah but uh yeah today's guest is an amazing amazing human being. like his story is so crazy that if it wasn't true you i mean you wouldn't believe it but it's true it's just it so all the the pieces that fall into this so when i uh listened to him um it reminded me of a renaissance man you know mm-hmm. a young man at age six knew what he wanted to do and he went for it every day i mean he was living by himself at 17 right with his right. parents blessing so you know? yeah yeah um, I, mean, I mean i don't want to race too far forward but what i'm saying is what that's that's what it used to be like you know right. 200 years ago if you, you had know, if you, you had you very set your skilled goal. at something yeah. you went to go do it yeah and um yeah so very very renaissance man and even in his uh world of being a dis uh, as uh geez i'm all tongue-tied now as a <laughs> spinal cord survivor he's also um breaking new ground all the time yeah yeah so we're talking about um donovan mitchell not donovan spider mitchell from the cleveland cavaliers but the original donovan mitchell uh who was a motocross like phenom i guess and um, still essentially. is yeah as as he came up um in the world of of uh motocross supercross that sort of thing and it got you know got a uh yeah, like you said, moved moved out of his parents' home to basically to the track when he was 17. Southern California is he's from Sacramento, so moved to Southern California. Was living at the track, just working out 
racing it was uh what he i think he called it a privateer um yeah when he first first kind of turned pro so he's just you know funding this all on his own traveling to races and then finally gets picked up yeah by a, a big race team and at the first race i don't even think it was an official race it was no it like wasn't an, an official race it was an exhibition before yeah. the season Easy. before yeah. the 2000 uh motocross season just gets in a crazy wreck uh lands upside down on another rider's motorcycle and breaks his neck yeah and uh and this is all from a guy who at a very young age would run to the gym? He said, like "Yeah, three so miles run back and forth to yeah, the gym. Yeah, three miles one way." And I wondered, did you ask him if it was uphill both ways? <laughs> I did not ask <laughs> okay. him that. But yeah, I mean, dedication, right? Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I know a lot of people that go to the gym, but I don't know people that run to the gym. No, me either. <laughs> so, me either. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah. and yeah, it, like everything he put into it to finally like get his get to his dream like get sponsored like have a seat or have a you know have a seat at one of these uh racing companies and then for it to all slip away that like in the snap of a finger like that and the guy that he wrecked on or like ended up the guy that crashed in front of him that caused his injury several that caused years Donovan's later injury several years later also suffered a spinal cord injury racing his motorcycle it's just like what are the odds um yeah. It's just crazy. But, you know, I, I just, yeah, I don't want to give the whole thing away, but Donovan is just, like, his, he's, like, so upbeat and, um, yeah, like, you could be, I, I couldn't imagine, like, being on the verge of, like, achieving my dream and have it ripped away from me and still be able to, like, he said he didn't deal with a whole lot of depression afterwards. He kind of was able to, to get through that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean just the it's just it, it's he's very impressive to me yeah and especially since it's a c4 right so yeah like we're yeah. we're essentially yeah like we're real close to the same i mean we have a lot of similarities too like his dad became one of his main caregivers um after his injury and kind of facilitated him doing doing some cool stuff um with, with another racing team uh just so he could kind of stay in the in that world which is awesome um but yeah i just i you know i felt definitely felt like some similarities like we both got injured around the same time within a year or two of each other yeah. and yeah um yeah we've been at this a long time man it's crazy i know i know I, I, when you start measuring things in decades right right yeah. right so um i think before we give it all away we should probably get into it what do you yeah say? let's uh let's do this and uh everybody enjoy uh donovan mitchell and we will talk to you on the other side sounds good jeremy this week on the live to walk again podcast i am super excited to interview uh this next guest it, it's donovan mitchell the original donovan mitchell uh he's a former ktm factory rider owner of bike now motorsports and wings for life ambassador and he is a spinal cord injury survivor donovan welcome to the show man thank you so much for joining me appreciate uh the opportunity and uh good to get get this going finally yeah absolutely absolutely so uh for anybody who doesn't know your story already uh, can you give us just a, a little bit of a, a brief description about how you were injured like where that happened when all that sort of stuff for sure so um 
I grew up riding and racing motocross from a, an early age, around five years old, and kind of just did it for fun in the early years and then kind of progressed. And uh, by the time I was like 14 or 15, became uh, pretty serious and, you know, was something that I kind of had cho chosen to be like, okay, I want to be a professional motocross racer. Um, and uh, the, my dreams kind of became obtainable as I got, you know, a couple, a couple years older and turned professional at the age of 17. Um, raced a couple years as a privateer and then uh, eventually at uh, around 19 years old in 1999 I went and started racing the supercross circuit and outdoor motocross championships um, uh, the leading into the 2000 season uh, factory KTM approached me and signed me to the exclusive factory ride which was something that obviously as a kid I really just dreamed and um, you know was such a huge dream and something that I obtained to get. Um, unfortunately, just before the 2000 Supercross season started at a pre-season race uh, called Day in the Dirt, um, first lap of a race and um, a rider in front of me crashed on the backside of the job. That rider actually was Ernesto Fonseca who uh, eventually actually got paralyzed as well a few, a few years later after I did, which you know is a weird uh, coincidence. But um, I landed on his motorcycle on the backside of the jump and it flipped me off onto my head. And, um, instantly I was paralyzed laying there and life was, uh, different. Like so many others have experienced. Wow. Wow. So what level, uh, injury did you sustain? So I'm a C4 quad and, um, I had no movement, um, from the shoulders down, uh, you know, had a trach put in immediately and, uh, over the course of about a year and a half, I kind of developed a little um, ability to twitch my right arm somewhat. Um, and uh, around two years, I kind of got my trach removed, which was, you know, it was a huge test to see if I could live without it just because I am a high level quad. Thankfully, I've been able to kind of uh, manage that. And then um, really from there, it kind of just was years of just trying to do whatever I could with that right arm to just, you know, do a little bit more and a little bit more that over time developed to where, you know, it's a pretty strong uh, form of independence for me to, you know, manage using an iPad, a phone, drive a wheelchair, obviously was the first goal. And uh, from there, it's kind of just, you know, blossomed into something that I'm sure thankful to, you know, have um, like anybody that's paralyzed, you always want more and you look at others that have more. But then at the same time, you see others that I have the same that have the same injury as I do and they have less. So it's like, you know, thankful I have what I have. And, you know, I just use it to maximize my life as best I can. Absolutely, man. I, I, I couldn't agree more. That's what I always think of, you know, because I'm a C4 as well. And, and it's like, you know, we could easily be on ventilators, you know, full time. Like, that's what I always think. Like, man, I'm so thankful that that I don't have to deal with that on top of everything else that, that we do deal with, you know? So, um, so yeah, where, yeah, yeah. Where, uh, so where was the race at that you got? And, and was this, I saw some interviews with you and I wasn't sure. So it was that like your, so this is the race before your first season as a sponsored, uh, rider. Had you already had a season, um, being sponsored prior to. Yeah. So growing up, I was, got to the point where, you know, my, as I progressed and got better, I was pretty fully sponsored by 
say Yamaha and different companies as an amateur. Um, and then as I turned pro, I was still supported by Yamaha and other major companies that pretty much took care of anything and everything that I needed to go racing. I just wasn't like maybe outright paid like a salary and whatnot. And it was still on my own to kind of figure out how to get to the races. So um, really that next step was signing with a factory team for like I did going into 2000 season, which is like, you know, you're paid a salary. You're basically just showing up to race and everything else is taken care of for you. So um, that was, you know, I was just right on the cusp of kind of starting that. And, um, you know, that end of November actually um, is when the injury occurred at the race. And then, you know, the, the season starts in January. So um, only had a small time period of being on the factory KTM testing for Supercross and, you know, kind of did some flights to different locations to be prepared for the season. So um, as much as I'm super thankful and glad that I got that opportunity because it was such a big goal of mine from a you know young age of like six years old to, and it's very small and few that ever even get to say that they signed with a factory team. So, you know, that's something really cool that, you know, with my injury, it helps to live with it because it, it's something that's like, Hey, I, I can hold my head high that I did that. And, um, you know, maybe I didn't get to race and do some of the things that I really, um, aspire to do, but Hey, you know, it's like, take what, take what you can get and be happy with that. So. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. That that's, uh, that's amazing that you got to, to experience that before, before your injury. Um, and I'm sure it probably, I'm sure you had probably mixed emotions afterwards, you know, cause we all deal with like some depression and everything after, after dealing with this injury. So like having that right there for you, but and that must've been, been pretty. Yeah. Cool. It was kind of a, it was a, there was a lot of emotions, obviously like anybody that gets paralyzed. Um, for me, it was really hard because it was like, my slogan has always been kind of cut short and it's like, you know, you get right to that childhood dream and then it's like, you're right there and then it's taken away. And so it did take some time and obviously there was depression and questioning anything and everything of why and how and, you know, being put in this position and, you know, wanting to just to achieve so many dreams that were not going to happen, obviously, because I was paralyzed. And, um, and, the, and there was a lot of moments of like seeing your friends that you raced with go on to obviously do things that, you know, you wanted to do and you're not going to do that. Um, so then it, it leaves you wondering, like, what would my career have been? You know, how could I have done as that, you know, at that elite level? So at the same time, you can't dwell on that stuff too, too much. I've been able to kind of flip the page and try to take that mentality of a racer that I used to get those dreams and just try to channel it into my injury of, trying to set new goals and find things to be successful in and um, not get stuck where you're just stagnant and just, you know, worried about trying to only walk again or, um, you know, and then just be stuck in dwelling, you know, 24 seven is a bad place to be. And we all go there. I mean, not going to say I never went there, but um, the best thing was to try and figure out how to get your mind busy and get yourself out of that thought 
process um, as quick as possible. Right, right. Um, you know, I've had, I've um, I had Jesse Nelson on the podcast a while back, and also Taylor Nichols, who I guess wasn't quite like up to that level that that maybe that you and Jesse were. But um, you know, I I always ask I've asked both of them because you know a lot of uh, a lot of I guess um, dirt bike you know like supercross tracks and stuff are like kind of out in the middle of nowhere. At least the off road stuff is. Um, you know, were you, so how, how did you get to the hospital after your injury? I mean, were, did they have to airlift you out of there or like, how did it all, how did that all work? And like, then where did you end up? And, you know, once you were stabilized, where'd you go through rehab at and everything? Yeah, thankfully it was a pretty mainstream race up in LA County uh, near Palmdale. So, I mean, immediately, you know, I had medics on scene you know, diagnosed, obviously, that I was a high-level quadriplegic. I, you know, they cut my gear off. I can remember doing the pinprick where, you know, tell me where you can, when you can feel. Obviously, it was like up and near my shoulder and neck area. And, you know, there's a lot of pandemonium. You can hear people crying and understanding that this situation is very serious. Um, so they immediately um, put me in an ambulance, ambulance me off the track. And then there was a helicopter awaiting um, that I was airlifted to the Northridge hospital, um, in a, which was not too far away from the track there. And I spent the next month there in ICU, obviously traction kind of pretty much sedated where you don't really remember a whole lot kind of come in and out and, um, really trying to, you know, grasp the situation for what it is. And my dad had a motocross pit board that, you know, they would ride on it to communicate with me to, you know, blink once, blink twice for yes and no to kind of in those early days when you have that trait put in, you're not able to talk, no voice. And, you know, you're kind of freaking out and just, you know, scared, obviously. So um, that's kind of how the early days transpired. And um, it was from there about a month at Northridge and then was able to make a transition to a um, rehab facility at Loma Linda and um, spent the next probably five months there, um, going through all the learning and pretty heavy, um, therapy obviously was the key to try and see what the body was able to kind of regain. And, um, I gave it everything I had, you know, I learned really quickly. The biggest thing with a spinal cord injury is, um, you're not really in control always of what you get back, you know, and my whole childhood was solely focused on being the best motocross racer that I could be. I would run three miles to the gym, do an intense workout and run back home, you know, dang there every day. Um, I was, you know, just fully focused on being in elite shape. And, um, you know, you were in, in control of how strong you could be and how good of a racer you could be. And then going into being paralyzed, that was my thought process. I'm going to work hard and, you know, we'll get back you know, as much, or maybe, you know, be back to somewhat normal. You don't know or you, until they, you know, obviously they tell you things and um, to put you in some sort of reality check, but um, you know, to accept that quickly, that doesn't matter sometimes how much effort I was putting in on a day-to-day -day basis. It wasn't going to mean that, you know, I was going to regain both arms or any kind of, you know, upper body function. It was just, was like, okay, you're going to get what you get. And then it's, up to you to try to make most of that. So, um, 
you know, everyone knows with this injury, it's, you know, there's a lot of lows and some highs and it's, you know, the way you kind of endure and are able to suffer through those to keep building the building strength to be the best person you can be after this injury. Right. Right. Um, so are you like what, so getting that KTM factory ride, um, does that cover you for insurance and stuff at that point? Cause I'm assuming like when you're like a freelance guy prior to that, just, you know, getting some help from Yamaha, you're probably, weren't covered under insurance or maybe you were, I don't know, like what, what was that situation like? No. So, I mean, you know, as a, even a contracted writer, um, still as still to this day, you know, writers are on your own to, you know, have your own insurances. And, um, thankfully, you know, because I was still really young and it was probably the last thing to really, I was still connected with my parents because I moved out when I was 17 on my own. So, um, I was, I moved from Sacramento where I grew up to Southern California. I lived on my own. I did, you know, I traveled, I did everything fully independent. So I was just 19 and that was probably, it was literally within days, actually, I was making arrangements to kind of transition onto my own insurance. So, um, in that moment, you know, thankfully I was still probably on my mom's better insurance plan to kind of help carry us through that injury in those early days to make sure things were mostly covered and um yeah so that was just a stroke of luck really because obviously you know that those those hospital bills don't slow down once you get injured they don't care that you're paralyzed that's for sure no doubt no doubt um yeah so you know i heard i've i've seen a couple of uh a couple interviews with you where you talked about that you basically that your parents let you go like move to to you you were living at the track like in a double wide trailer essentially and just practicing every day and and you know like you said working out running to the gym and uh you know so what was I mean are were you still living at the track at the time of your injury I mean where what was the transition like uh coming out of the hospital after going through rehab and getting you know kind of going back to I guess the real world yeah yeah so actually when I got paralyzed I was me and a friend were just renting a house together um, so I wasn't still living at the track, but, you know, um, so I went into obviously the hospital for that about six month period and towards the end of that, you know, stay, um, my parents obviously gave me the chance or the opportunity choice to basically say, Hey, do you want to live in Southern California still, or do you want to move back to Northern California? Cause they still lived in Northern California. So for me, I was dead set that I would have more opportunity to stay busy in Southern California. Um, that's kind of where I had set my life up and was, you know, pretty active and a lot of friends and just kind of surrounded by the motocross industry here. So, um, in that later stage of being in the hospital, my parents kind of went on a, you know, a house hunt basically to find something that would be accessible for me and, you know, get us into that next stage of trying to do reality and, what life's going to be like. So thankfully, you know, they were able to find a home that was stair free and pretty wide everywhere and um, kind of just winged it. And, uh, you know, had to, everyone has to learn and, you know, it's not always everything's simple to figure out. So you're kind of on those, you know, lost, lost ways of just how's a, how life, how's life going to play out. And um, 
you know, I, I was fortunate, you know, that, you know, I was, uh, had some money from racing that I had saved and some certain things that would kind of get me on the right foot to start off with. Um, nothing was ever simple by any means, as far as lots of stresses on the family, lots of, you know, scary and, um, obviously heightened emotions. And, you know, it, it really just puts a toll on the whole family and anybody around you. I mean, no matter, you know, what your situation is going into being paralyzed. So, um, that's kind of how those early days started to, um, start this new second life, I guess you would call. Yeah, no, no doubt. Um, I was wondering what I did also see that you had become a team leader for, uh, another factory team. And, um, like a few years after your injury, or I don't know, I actually, I guess I don't really know how long after your injury that occurred, but I heard you, um, in an interview say that, um, I guess your dad kind of became one of your main caregivers to kind of facilitate that happening. So what was that like being able to get back kind of to being a part of the motocross industry at that point? I mean, that must've been pretty, um, you know, healing like for you on some level. Yeah, it was nice to have like a reason for being that was close to where I was as a racer, just on the opposite side at like a personnel level. Um, so about five years after my injury, a friend of mine, one of my best friends was part of a race team and was needing help to kind of organize it. And um, I had done a lot of my own sponsorship negotiations as a kid. So um, I just went for it and started making some calls to people that I had relationships with in the industry and little by little was just learning, you know, I was just willing to figure it out. And if I didn't know how to do it, I was, you know, open ears and trying to sponge off of any knowledge that I could gain. And um, so, yeah, that kind of just turned into uh, being a team coordinator for one of the top supercross teams now star racing. And um, I did that actually for about seven years of um, just about anything and ever, everything that it would take to, keep that team in motion. So it was, whether it was travel logistics, sponsorship negotiations, working with the riders, um, just a multitude of things to uh, keep the wheels in motion and make sure the team had everything they would need when they showed up to the races. So it was a great experience and cool to be able to, you know, go to the track and be a part of something and, um, and learning and just have something to keep your mind busy. Cause um you know, before that, believe me, there was a lot of years of kind of, you're always searching for like, what am I going to do? Like I dabbled in different things, writing for like a racer X magazine, or, you know, I tried some, uh, community college out for a little bit. Um, so, you know, you're just kind of trying to find your way and, you know, it, it's hard. It was definitely never simple. And, uh, so yeah, I did that race team thing for quite a long time there. And, even with that, I decided to walk away with that, walk away from that at some point in 2000, around 11, 12. And then I kind of was in another place of like searching and kind of quietness of having something to do every day. And, you know, you're, it's hard, you know, you're a quadriplegic. You're not able to just take yourself someplace on your own. Um, and, uh, you know, through those years, thankfully, my dad was always my main caregiver that which kept me pretty active and able to do what I wanted to do. Um, but it gets kind of, you know, you start staring at the walls on a day-to-day -day basis and wondering like, what can I do? You know, you're a quadriplegic and um, 
just things aren't simple, like as you want them to be. So um, that's kind of where I was at for like three years, kind of searching. And uh, it was, you know, wasn't too much depression. I've been able to kind of navigate that. Okay. But, you know, you just get bored of just doing the same old kind of nothing of tinkering with random stuff. And um, thankfully that kind of led into what my new kind of quote unquote future career is now. And um, yeah, just kind of, but at the time it didn't seem like, you know, anything like that, but you know, you don't know. And in real time, you never can always fully see the full spectrum of everything. So. Right. Right. So uh, being uh, the leader of, or you helping kind of facilitate everything for, for this uh, team uh, factory team, were you, are you like, doing most of the stuff just from your home in Southern California? Are you traveling with the team to the different uh, races around the country? Like how, how did that all go logistically for you? Um, Yeah. So basically, I mean, you know, it was just a home-based job that, you know, wake up every day, you get on your computer and get on your phone and start making calls and answering emails. And, uh, and then I would go to the track on a routine basis, you know, test track during the week, um, and then I wouldn't go to all the races, but I would get to attend quite a few. And, um, you know, with the injury, obviously travel is not easy. So, um, you know, you're always having to listen to the body and, um, deal with, you know, anything that comes about, um, being a quadriplegic or paralyzed at all, you know, you got to worry about the pressure wounds and anything else in there that comes along with this. So, um, nerve pain, all that kind of stuff gets in your way of always doing what you want to be able to do. So, um, you know, it kind of just, my schedule usually was just what my body would allow me to do. And, um, sometimes you have to accept that, you know, you're not going to be as active as you want to be just because, uh, otherwise it can put you in a place where, you know, health is at risk. So, um, right. yeah. No, it makes sense. Makes sense. Um, so how, so now, you know, fast forward a couple of years, you said that you were kind of hanging out, trying to figure out what to do. Um, and then I know now you're, you're doing this, uh, bike now motorsports. Um, and yeah, how did that come about? And like, what, yeah, tell everybody what, what that is and, and how you kind of started. So, uh, you know, I had a friend that was through the motorcycle industry and he had started a, an eBay store probably 10 years prior to he, you know, basically offered to, you know, Hey, you should try this as something maybe you can do from home or whatever and figure it out. Um, so from there, I just kind of started selling some random parts out of my garage that I still had around. And then from there it grew into sourcing some inventory, you know, that I could find or connections in the industry. And, uh, you list it on eBay and start reselling it and kind of get your feet wet. And, um, then early days of kind of really getting into it and seeing that's like something I could do, I do it all from an iPad um, and, you know, kind of seeing what could be possible. Uh, I actually met my now wife and girlfriend at the time, and she worked at a motorcycle dealership, coincidentally. And I didn't even know that when we first started talking. Um, Early days there, um, she one day jokingly said the dealership had a ton of obsolete inventory that they wanted to get rid of. And, um, you know, they would sell it for pennies on the dollar and then you would relist it and whatnot. And so I kind of was like, yeah, I would be interested. And 
kind of took a leap of faith that, you know, I might be able to hopefully resell it all, which um, it ended up working out. And then that kind of like stair stepped us to like another level where, you know, we linked up with distributors of the major, you know, motorcycle and off-road power sports parts across the country. And, you know, it just kind of like built itself little by little, just lots of hard work, lots of time, same things that I did as a racer, just channeled all my focus as much time as I could from before light to uh, the minute I go to sleep, you know, it was like, it didn't matter how many hours it took. I just wanted to figure out how to sell more stuff and, you know, learn from the people that were way bigger, obviously on the platform. And uh, it just kind of like grew like, you know, and then it kept growing. And then, you know, little by little, it turned into something, you know, where I was like, uh, asked my, you know, then girlfriend, like, Hey, um, we should just look at just doing this. And like, you should leave your job. And, you know, she was like, you're crazy. And, uh, but she did it. And from there, then it just really like took off. And we've just kind of been on this wild growth of, uh, running a business. I didn't go to school to be any kind of business person. I was a person that went to high school at the best and, uh, just wanted to do my time and get out and go race my dirt bikes. So, um, from there, it's just been a learning experience and thankfully it's worked really well and grown into something that's way bigger than I would have ever imagined. And, uh, it gives me something that I, once again, still focus all my time and keeps me so busy now that, you know, I'm more busy than I've ever been in my whole life. And that's a cool thing to have. And, um, just kind of keep my head down and doing what I've been doing to, since the day I started it and it seems to keep working to keep growing the business every year. So that's a great problem to have. And, um, super thankful and fortunate that it's all worked out the way it has so far. No, that that's very cool, man. That Congratulations on that. Yeah. And I, I think I heard, heard you say in a speech or something that it was, had blossomed kind of into a multi-million dollar a year business. And that's, I mean, as a quadriplegic, like we know, like this is not an easy or cheap injury to have. So that that's great that you uh, have found something that can can be so lucrative man congratulations on that appreciate it yeah it's definitely definitely been a wild experience so far and like i said it's something way bigger than i ever could have dreamed it to be so um good problem to have and yeah just trying to keep the keep the wheels a turning on it i love it i love it um yeah so i wanted to also talk to you a little bit about uh, becoming a wings for life ambassador. Like how, how did that um, process kind of happen for you? And, um, and when, I guess. So that's a kind of a wild story as well. Um, the weekend that I was paralyzed, um, one of the high up members of KTM from Austria was there attending the race. And obviously I was the new signer, new signee onto the team, got to know him a little bit. I get, I get uh, paralyzed that weekend. Um, and then, you know, rather than them, you know, clip me or, you know, basically, obviously they didn't owe me anything. You know, they always made sure that, you know, I was felt like I was a part of the team still keeping me involved, you know, helping me go to some races and whatnot. Um, three years after my injury, uh, that gentleman's son was then paralyzed, same injury, quadriplegic. And his best friend was the, 
founder of Red Bull. And they decided that this needs to stop. We need to find some sort of way of, you know, developing uh, things that could help maybe fix this injury or make someone that's living with this injury, you know, have a better time. And that's how Wings for Life started. So um, from there, that was in the early 2000s, um, you know, Wings for Life was in its early days, primarily in Europe. But obviously, like, I'm forever indebted because, you know, those people were key people in my life, you know, before injury and after. So, uh, you know, when Wings for Life kind of finally made it to the U.S., um, obviously, I was fully on board to do whatever it I can and, you know, asked to do. And uh, so that's kind of how it turned into what it is. Um, obviously became an ambassador, um, spread the word, tell my story and um, just go to whatever events or anything that come up that they asked me to do or what I can do as far as pushing it and letting people know about it because it's pretty unheard of in this day and age that a foundation of something like this um, operates how it does where a hundred percent of every dollar that is raised goes actually to spinal cord research projects. So Red Bull actually pays all administrative costs for the foundation. So, um, that's a huge thing. And not only that, that every dollar that's donated, Red Bull matches it dollar for dollar. So, I mean, you know, there's a lot of foundations and different charities in these days and you know, you hear the stories of how much actually goes to the actual thing at hand. And sometimes that is not really at all as it's not advertised like that. So as it should be. So um, that's a huge thing that shows like that they're all in on trying to help make this injury, you know, not a life sentence for you, I and everyone else. And, um, you know, they continue to every year have some pretty major developments and, you know, their their focus is to hopefully make this injury not something um, like we're dealing with it uh, in our lifetime. So, you know, I'm hopeful. I don't dwell on some sort of fix on any given day. Obviously, just try to keep my body as ready as possible. And uh, hopefully one day there's something that maybe, you know, even just gives me a little more arm movement or some finger movement or something, you know, don't necessarily, don't necessarily need to walk, but, um, you know, like, take more than I got. And so uh, that's how I'm involved and will continue to be involved just because it's such a, something near and dear to my heart. And uh, their, their focus is obviously so genuine and authentic. Yeah, no, that, that's amazing. I, I'm blown away by all the work they do. And, and, you know, I've heard that, that they, um, that every dollar raised goes to spinal cord injury research and not to, you know, to all the other uh, BS that some other, you know, charities do. Like, it's great that, you know, the more charities, the better, but yeah, it's great that, that, that Red Bull and Wings for Life are, are willing to, to do that and, uh, you know, not take any money off the top. So that's pretty, pretty awesome, yeah. man. Um, I was wondering, you know, what you're in, do you have involvement? I mean, obviously you have a motorsports company, a parts company, but do you have a lot of um, interaction kind of with the motorsport or with, uh, I guess, the the uh, dirt bike uh, supercross kind of community at this point? Um, and wh what is that if, if you do or if you don't? like? Yeah, no, I still always been heavily involved. I mean, that it's like something where it's in your blood and it really truly is in your blood. Like, 
just something that I grew up doing from the time I was four years old and injury or not, like I still love the sport. I've never had like some sort of ill will or hatred for it. It just, it happened. I knew dirt bikes were dangerous. Did I ever think I would be in this position? No, but um, you know, you have a choice. You can either resent it or, you know, stay involved. And I chose to stay involved. And, you know, sometimes that takes a little work to, keep yourself in the industry. Um, so, you know, with the business, like it helps to kind of stay involved in different ways, but I've always been involved no matter what I'm doing. So uh, I always go to, you know, probably um, a half dozen races a year, whether it be Supercross, Outdoor Nationals, local races, um, just kind of depends what, you know, my schedule's like and what I'm feeling like going to. Um, I still talk to some of, you know, all my friends that are still in the industry pretty regularly on different levels, riding, riding, racing, industry jobs, you know, kind of my era is now old and either retired to doing something different, but a lot of us all still somehow are into dirt bikes and doing something that has to do with it. So that's a lot of what we talk about. And I, you know, don't miss a race every weekend on TV. If I'm not there, obviously I'm, you know, watching practice all day and, watching the races at night and uh, gossip and being about it and play fantasy, you know, for the Supercross series. And um, yeah, so I'm still full throttle into it and love everything about it. And, you know, it, it built me into who I was. So I, I can't really be mad at that, mad about that. It created the, you know, foundation of how I live life with this injury where I'm able to, I feel handle this injury pretty well for the most part. And, uh, stay thriving and busy and motivated to wake up every day and try to set new goals. And just, you know, I, I don't ever like stay stagnant. I'm always trying to think about what, what's the next thing I can try to do to, you know, be better or, um, you know, more successful or whatever. I'm just driven that way. And um, yeah, that's all because of dirt bikes. That's so cool, man. Yeah, I saw on Instagram that you were, I, I think, maybe out in Phoenix at uh, one of the big races recently. And I was like, oh, that, that was pretty, that was pretty cool, man, seeing, seeing you be able to get out there and, and kind of check everything out, um, which is, which is awesome. But, um, you know, I did see, uh, this is kind of my last question for you, but I did um, see, like I said, I've, I've watched a couple of your speeches and, and an interview, and uh, I, I heard you talk about um, when people ask you if you have any regrets, and I love kind of your response to that. And so I want to ask you if you have any regrets, and so that everybody else can hear what you said. <laughs> no, I don't have any regrets. Um, I mean, I got to do what I love, and um, that's something that, you know, not many other people can always say like, Hey, you know, you set a goal from a say age six and, um, and then somehow you achieve that goal, which, you know, everyone dreams to be a professional athlete at some young age or something like that. And, um, the fact that I actually did it is, you know, something I, you know, I'm proud about. Um, and you know, I, I'm just, you know, thankful that I was able to do it. And my hard work ethic all kind of put me to the place where I am now. Um, and, uh, yeah, just kind of now trying to, you know, keep myself healthy with this injury is not an easy uh, 
simple task. I battle everything like everyone else. I have plenty of days where, you know, I do everything I um, have to do to run a business from bed or um, don't always feel that great. And, you know, you're kind of pissed off at the world, but, you know, thankfully I have something to kind of channel myself back into not just dwelling upon being in severe nerve pain or sick or, you know, dealing with a pressure wound or whatever that may be. Um, and, uh, yeah, this, this injury is hard. <laughs> Everyone knows being paralyzed sucks and it's hard and, um, it's never the way we want it every day. So, uh, I just always advise, just try to wake up every day and, you know, find something to chase. Um, and, you know, don't get stuck dwelling on what your life was or, um, should have been because, you know, that's unfortunately, you know, that's the past and, um, you know, I know it's all kind of cliche sayings and it's, yeah. I, I just, True, you know, I, thankfully I am living this injury in some successful fashion, but, um, it's not all just warm and cozy every day. It's, it's hard. It's still hard. And, uh, that's, it's never going to be easy. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Hey, the original Donovan Mitchell, I can't thank you enough for, for being willing to come on and share your story, man. Do you want to uh, give out your, your social media links and, and for your link for bike now motorsports and everything, and I'll include them in the show notes, but go ahead and tell everybody where to find you at online. Yeah. You can just easily uh, find me Instagram. His best is at Dono. Uh, Dono 861 at Dono 861. And, uh, um, you know, from there you can link to all my stuff and uh, always open to someone shouting at me any questions or, you know, injury or trying to learn how to do something more with their injury. I'm always open book and kind of will be willing to help or shoot my kind of 24 years of being paralyzed, basically of knowledge. Uh, you're always learning still with this injury, no matter how many years you've been doing it. Yeah, no doubt. Me and you, we're we're some OGs here, man. I think I'm 25. I just had my 25th life day back in January. So yeah, it's uh, it's been a been a wild ride, man. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy to start hitting those like digits like that, where you're like, wow, like been doing this a long time. Yeah. Uh, but you know, try to forge a forge on and. Uh, Appreciate having me on here. That's for sure. Thanks for yeah. letting me come yeah. on and tell my story. Absolutely, man. Thank you. We'll uh, hopefully we can catch up again sometime down the road too. So appreciate you so much, man. And uh, yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. And thanks again. All right. That was Donovan Mitchell, the one and only, the original. Um, I, I had a great time talking. We actually ended up talking for like 20 minutes after we stopped recording. I was like, damn. Man I crush, huh? Wish I would have. Uh, Is that kept what it going. was, Jeremy? Yeah, I guess so, man. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, it's funny. The, the thing I had, you know, I had asked him um, kind of at the end of the interview there about uh, having any regrets. And his, so I was, I was hoping he was going to tell this story because I can't remember exactly what it was. But um, in this interview I saw, he talked about, how his dad um, was like, well, you know, the spinal cord was poorly designed, so we need to, 
you know figure out a way to fix this thing or whatever and i thought that was that was kind of funny you know like his dad's like a mechanically minded person he's just like this was very poorly designed yeah very very poorly designed uh instrument that we use so um but yeah no donovan like what a great guy man and just well you know again jeremy all i get something out of all your interviews for me personally and one of the things was that um, you know he has bad days like we all do right and he's honest and admits it mm-hmm. out there uh not every day is going to be uh you know a spring day right mm-hmm. and there are sometimes you go to dark places like everybody you know he's human um but it's a little more difficult for you guys and i've witnessed that over this last year or the last six weeks that you were in the hospital how much difficult how much more difficult it is and i have a lot of empathy for what you go through every day you oh, know i appreciate it um but um, one of the things that inspired me was that, you know, he says he gets up every day and looks for a new challenge. Setting I goals. Mean, yeah. Setting goals. I mean, that's impressive, you know. And I like that mindset, you know. And so when you think that, you know, your day, whatever it is, is, you know, crappy, you know, just remember that, you know, if you're able-bodied, you can do something about it. Right. And so you should go out and do it. You know. Well, it, that reminds me a lot of uh, of Sharon last week, yeah. also or a couple of weeks ago, um, saying that basically, like he's just trying to improve, like with his track, track and field. Um, you know, having been a track uh, running track in college, right before that, like you work all year to try right. to like improve by this like small like tiny tenth of a second tenth of a second yeah and it's yeah. the same thing that you got you're setting yeah. goals and you're just trying to improve that little bit every day to like eventually get that yeah. you know like kind of cumulative uh improvement so yeah and i think donovan has that same mindset you know because mm-hmm. that was his life you know since he was six years old which is impressive yeah you know? i mean i don't know any six years old six-year-old Anybody that I knew that was six years old had a dream of, you know, being a lawyer or a fireman or whatever. There's very few kids that I know that are doing what they wanted to said they were going to do when they were six. Right. That's true. You know, that's very true. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the, you know, he talked, I think about not, or at least I'm not sure if it, if I, if he said it in our interview, but I've heard him say in, in other uh, speeches and stuff that he's given about how like yeah I mean he missed out on a lot of the stuff that normal kids get to do with like sleepovers and um, going to prom and stuff like that it's like he was at the track working hard trying to trying to see his dream fulfilled and I mean at the end of the day he did he got a you know a yeah, ride he, he achieved a, he yeah, achieved yeah, it I mean, he even achieved if it was it. for one day right, right? yeah yeah. Yeah, which is I mean it's and it's it's yeah, it's it's a it's a cool thing that he got got that opportunity, man. And just like what a what a freaking nice guy and like his work with uh Wings for Life, like that's that's very cool. Yeah. Um I'm really impressed by that. And that's another thing. Like one of the um I guess one of the head people from the the race team that he was uh had been signed to was from Austria. Um, and his son ended up like they, they had just met that weekend, but they kind of stayed in touch um, after Donovan's injury. But that that Austrian guy who was the head, of, you know, one of the heads of the t- race team, his son ended up getting injured a few years later as well with a spinal cord injury. And um, I guess his best friend, the, the race, the head of the race team's best friend was the founder of Red Bull. 
Yeah. And like what? And so then they started the Wings for Life Foundation, which is an amazing. I mean, that thing is growing leaps and bounds. And uh, you know they have the they have all kinds of uh, fundraisers and stuff, and all the money goes every penny goes to uh, goes to spinal cord injury research. Red Bull matches it dollar for dollar, and uh, and I think Red Bull pays all the administrative costs. He said so. Yeah, it's like all the money. You know, Red Bull's like that's an amazing amazing thing for them to yeah, do. Yeah, foundation charity to help. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and he gives back too. And just like all your guests. I think one of the things is is that, you know, they're open to talk about their injuries and give back to this community, to the yeah. spinal cord injury community, because there's always something out there for somebody. No, hundred yeah. percent. And and now, like, and what he's doing now with with his, um, you know, motorsports company that he started on basically as just an eBay kind of side hustle, it's turned into a multi million dollar yeah. Yeah. a year a year company. Which you know, salute to him. Like that's. That's got to be huge for, you know, like anybody dealing with spinal cord injury, you, you know, you pretty much know, like, there there's some uh, financial strains on on you, on your family, on everything. So for him to have that um, just set up by basically the same hard work that, that got him to become a, a sponsored uh, professional uh, motocross, motocross rider is, yeah. is incredible, so... Yeah, great, great for him and his wife. Like that seems like they're uh, they're definitely a dynamic duo when it comes to that. And and uh, yeah, I mean, it's congratulations to him. And I really appreciate him coming on. And and I think yeah, I mean yeah, I, I think if you didn't get something out of this interview, I don't know what to tell you. Like I thought this was one of one of our better better episodes. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot. All well right. done, Jeremy. Thanks, Dixon. man. Thanks. Well, we will uh, we will be back again next week. And hopefully, Brandon will be here with yeah, us. Yeah, I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will. And it's just it's, springtime's tough for him. Everybody's trying to buy a house. Brandon, he told me he's having to play the slum lord today, go evict some people. Not a good. <laughs> I'm sure it's not a good feeling. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, so uh, we'll be back next week. If you could like, rate, review, share. All that good stuff. We would appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we'll be we'll be back with you soon. All right. Thanks, Jeremy. Thank you.